This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Uh, let's talk about some of the tech news now, now Graham. Uh, what are some of the interesting things for you this week? Uh, a couple of things. Well, uh, iOS adoption uh, is actually... So the operating system for iPhones and iPads. Yeah, it has hit 50% of eligible iOS devices, and it's been out for about, what, two, three weeks, something like that? Yeah, so that's uh, iOS 12. That's the latest version of the operating system for iPhones and iPads. So more than half of users have upgraded already. Yes. That's so, phenomenal, actually. Especially in the face of iOS 11, which had a much slower adoption rate. Uh, iOS 11 had a lot of things they think that people didn't like about it. It felt slower. There were some weird things that it did. And so with Apple doubling down on speed and performance, um, you know, I think a lot of users have taken this to heart and said, this is amazing. Um, Especially I, for people with older devices. Yeah, so my, my parents have an iPad Mini 2, yes. um, which was, with iOS 11, really just chugging along. And with iOS 12 now, it's actually far faster than it used to be. I'd say it's almost, like, it's, it's about 50% faster than it used to be. So, uh, nice little upgrade for people there. And, you know, this is sort of one of those things where developers, when they're looking at creating new software for iOS, they, they can reliably predict that a large number of people have all of the latest features based on the latest OS, which has been historically a bit of a challenge with Android. Yeah, so a lot of the world's phones work on Android. Um, so the Samsungs, the Huawei's, LG's. And, and yeah, you're right. There's so many um, different versions of Android now, and it's so fragmented. Yes. People aren't updating to the latest version. And really, there's no incentive to really for them. Well, and I mean, part of the challenge here is that um, a lot of the hardware manufacturers aren't providing the drivers. Uh, they don't, they don't re- care. They don't reliably provide software updates. So, I mean, a lot of users look at this, and this is why the, the Google Pixel line is so popular, is because they do get access to that software, um, you know, Google said two years of software updates and three years of security updates for Pixel phones. Um, Apple, conversely, now you know the um, iPhone 5s, I believe, is still getting it got, it got iOS 12, which means that they are five years of software and security updates. So when you're kind of looking at your value for dollar, uh, you know, the iPhone really it's it's doing some pretty good stuff there. Well, that's that's the thing, uh, Graham. You know, if you look at the uh, Apple ecosystem, there's huge incentive for Apple to really get people to upgrade to the latest operating system because they own the ecosystem. The reason why it's not working on Android is because you've got all these different manufacturers, Samsung, LG, Motorola, everybody, all using Android, uh, which is you know from Google. There is no incentive for them to really push out the latest updates to the operating system because they're not getting a piece of that ecosystem. They're not getting a cut of uh, the apps, you know, when uh, when someone sells an app through the App Store, uh, Apple or Google, they get about thirty yeah. percent of that price. Samsung's not getting any of that, well, so re- they don't care. And really, reasonably speaking, uh, if your hardware is no longer getting software updates after eighteen months or two years you're more likely to go out and buy a new phone. Yes. So this is kind of, I mean, again, and I've, I've appealed to Google about this in the past, and I've appealed to manufacturers of Android phones in the past, do a better job here. You know, use standardized drivers and commit to more software. Do, do things right <laughs> for the consumer. They don't care. I know, but I want them they to. They care, but again, it's there's no reason for them to really push people to upgrade to the latest version of Android. Which is heartbreaking, because for Android fans everywhere, they deserve better. They do, 
They do. There's no question. But it's interesting. I, um, you know, Android is the dominant operating system on smartphones around the world. I mean, it's more than 80%. I forget what it is. But in North America, Apple's still up there. They're yeah. ahead. And, and it's one of those interesting things where, again, you know, the average revenue per phone is actually, I believe it's still higher on Apple devices. It is, yeah. Um, so, you know, Apple's making a ton of money off this, and uh, Apple developers are making a ton of money off this, which is why you typically see software on iOS first. Um, like, for example, Fortnite. So this is... You know, next thing in the news. That is the biggest game in the world right now. And it's now available for all Android users. Uh, it, it came out on iOS first. Uh, it came out, uh, it was exclusive to Samsung phones on Android there for a bit. Yes. But as of this week, uh, Fortnite is now available to everyone. So I'm sure everyone in the audience right now is rushing to their Android phones to go and download. Probably not. <laughs> Well, you never know. Like, how much money are they making now? Like, hundreds of millions. Yeah, I think it's actually up in the billions. Billions. Yeah. For and, a free game. Yeah. Well, That's a free game, but they're making money on selling, like, uh, you know, extra additions, like the clothes you wear and the skin you have. Which I, which I think is actually... Uh, a, I love that. It's a good thing, right? It's yeah, a, it's it a great equalizer. Doesn't affect the gameplay. Um, and it just means that with cosmetics, you can choose how you want to look and you can pay a premium for that. Uh, but if you want to pay nothing and just play the game, uh, you can do that, which I think is a great way to go about handling it. You know, it's hit like the mainstream when Saturday, Saturday Night Live is making fun of it. Yes. So congratulations, Fortnite, uh, being the butt of a very, very, very profitable joke. Uh, cameras on smartphones. Uh, I mean, that's almost the reason why you're buying a smartphone now. Like one of the main reasons is what kind of camera it has on it. Yes. And, uh, you know, we've seen one camera, then one camera on both sides, front and back. Yep. Now there's two cameras. Yes. Dual cameras. Yeah. And now we're starting to see some of these manufacturers looking at putting more. And so there's leaked pictures of a Samsung Galaxy A9 that uh, shows Samsung putting four cameras on the back. I think if you say that, you have to finish it off with four cameras. Ah, 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 ah. Um, you know, well done, Samsung. We, uh, yeah. it, it's, is this starting to feel like Gillette razors at this point? Yes. Four blades, five <laughs> blades. Yes. Um, th- so they've got the ultra wide 120 degree camera. They have the two times optical zoom telephoto camera. Uh, they have a main camera, which has a wide aperture of F 1.7. So it's great for low light. And then they have the depth camera that gives you sort of the live focus. So a lot of the stuff here that Apple is doing with their dual camera system. Samsung's thrown additional hardware at uh, to see if maybe they can get a bit of an edge here and whether or not that's actually going to work and whether or not this phone's actually real uh, will remain to be seen. But, uh, you know, Apple's done a lot of really good work here with their software. And one of the interesting things when you take a look at the iPhone XR, it's only got the one camera on the back, but it's still doing the depth of field. Yeah, uh, that's that's a feature. I've got the 10. Yeah. Uh, and I love that feature, the depth of field feature. They call it portrait mode. And it, it lets you take these fantastic pictures that you can blur the background out. It looks yes. like you're taking it with a high-end DSLR. Yes. And so being able to do that with the 10R with a single lens camera, we obviously need to see when the 10R is available for us to test whether or not this is effective. But from what I'm hearing, the reports are that they've actually done a fairly decent job here. So, you know, while other manufacturers are going to adding more cameras, uh, Apple is really going down the road of refining their software. So it's going to be interesting to see which one nails it. It will be interesting to see. Uh, Also in the news, Google Translate adding 13 more languages. That's great. Woot, woot. Anything of of note there? Which which languages? Uh, Punjabi. Cool. Uh, Bengali, Vietnamese, Thai. Uh, Nepali. Wow. The, yeah. There's some really good stuff there. Tamil. Am I, am I saying that right? Yeah. Tamil. Yeah. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's that's fantastic. And well, it's a vi- sorry, the visual translation feature. Yes. So basically, yes. you put your camera up, it scans to a, it to a sign or yes. like a yeah text document. And, yeah. And I I always find it fun because uh, it handles word translation typically quite well. Grammatically, it can be a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some really great screenshots from my travels around the world where you're like, it's almost poetry in how bad it is but you can still get enough where if you need to know where the bathroom is you know where you're going <laughs> so that's someone's not going to punch you in the face right that, that's helpful <laughs> i find yeah you know have I, you have you used it i have yeah so yeah. i was in germany last year and i was in amsterdam and being able to basically just hold that up and 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 be able to see again the the, the big one for me where's the train station uh where's the airport where's the bathroom which way to the hotel um uh, you know Street signs, super helpful. So being able to, to use that for just getting around really does break down the barriers of being in a city that you're not familiar with in a language perhaps that you don't read or you don't speak. So this is great stuff. This is the type of thing where I looked at Google Glass and was like, you know, that's an ideal application for this. We do need to start to see smart glasses come back, and I'm saying probably within the next two years. We'll see. When we come back from the break, we have lots more to talk about. We'll be talking about Google Plus and also the Google announcements uh, of all the new hardware, the new Pixel phones, the Google Home Hub, and uh, their new tablets. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Still lots to talk about, uh, including Google Plus shutting down. Well, I didn't even know it was really still going, but we'll find out what that's all about. There was a a data breach uh, that uh, Google didn't disclose. But speaking of Google, there were some uh, exciting announcements from them this week at uh, one of their conferences. On the line, we have Patrick O'Rourke from Mobile Syrup. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. Thanks for having me. A little bit of good and bad news for Google this week. Uh, But uh, on on the good side, uh, you were down at uh, the Google conference. Uh, What were your initial thoughts with some of the the hardware stuff they uh, were announcing? Uh, I mean, the Pixel 3 and the Pixel 3 XL were were pretty impressive. I think most of the changes were on the software side of things rather than hardware. Um, But that said, there were some changes to the the hardware. There's now two front-facing cameras one that kind of has this super wide-angle lens for taking much wider selfies. You can fit more people in in the frame, which I think is pretty useful. Um, But in general, the phones really look like a refinement of what we saw with the Pixel 2 XL. The build quality seems better. The devices just in general seem more premium, which is cool. Um, But they also showed off a new kind of iPad Pro-like device called the Pixel Slate, which looks really interesting. Um, it's, I guess, Google's latest take on Chrome OS, uh, which is this sort of unique, somewhat limited operating system that Google's been pushing for a little while now. Um, so in many ways, this is the successor to the Pixelbook. And then the other device that Google showed off was the Echo Show. So this is like the um, Google Home, uh, the Google Home Max, or the standard Google Home, or the Google Home Mini. It's a voice-activated assistant, but it features a display. So the idea is that it gives you more visual information rather than just voice commands. Um, and Google showed off how you can watch YouTube videos on it, uh, look at recipes and a few other things. They seem to be sort of pushing it as a device that you would you'd place in your kitchen um, and not necessarily use as a primary device, but sort of this, this extra additional thing um, that, that you have in your home. These these uh, these smart uh, speakers uh, screens are kind of uh, spreading throughout the home now, aren't they? 
Yeah, the Amazon just announced that the Echo Show is coming to Canada. I believe it launched in the U.S. last year. We're getting the second generation version, which is also coming to the U.S., but this is the first time it's made its way to Canada. Um, I believe that's actually available later this week. Um, and then now we have Google's device. But the the thing, I guess, to remember about the um, the Home Hub is the simple fact that we don't know when it's coming to Canada. It didn't get a Canadian release date. Uh, Google sort of indicated to us that they don't have anything to announce right now about when it's coming to Canada or if it's coming to Canada. Um, but given the company's track record with the Google Home Max and other devices, I, I would bet that it's it's probably going to make its way here at some point. Very, uh, very interesting. Uh, just back to the phones quickly. Interesting point you made there. A lot of refinements. Um, you know, obviously great phones, but is that kind of the the state of the nation now with all these new devices uh, or smartphones being released? We're not really seeing every uh, any like uh, revolutionary new uh, features in them. They always seem to be refinements <laughs> that basically uh, are coming along. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think there was a time where there was good high-end smartphones and bad high-end smartphones. Um, and now, generally, every device from every manufacturer is pretty good. There, there may be a couple of issues, but if you go and you purchase a Pixel 3, you're probably going to be happy with it. It's going to take great photos. It's going to perform excellently. You're not going to run into lag. Um, and the same thing can be said about like Samsung's various phones or, or the iPhone. We're sort of in this era of iteration where every year we'll see a few new features, maybe one or two that like really stand out and they're, they're super interesting, but just generally um, devices are going to start to look more and more similar to each other. And uh, I, I think there'll be less um, excitement around different phone releases. I almost liken it to uh, laptops back in the day. Uh, you know, you'd have uh, buy a laptop, and then like uh, a year, maybe two years later, you had to get another one because there were so many new features and so much more power. Uh, you know, do you, do you feel we're seeing the same thing with phones? I, I remember when I had to have the latest phone every eight months. Uh, you know, God forbid I waited a year <laughs> to get uh, a new phone. Uh, do you think people will be holding on to their smartphones longer? Yeah, I think that's something we're going to start to see um, happen. I mean, phones are better made now than they ever have been. Um, it's very much the case with laptops where, like, you buy a laptop, you're probably good with it for three or four years. Um, I think probably Apple's iPhone XS is the best example of that. Uh, the biggest change with that phone over the 10 was the fact that the processor is, depending on who you talk to, significantly more powerful, which would in turn make the phone last for a longer period of time um, in terms of it being capable of running modern apps and just performing day-to-day day-to-day tasks fluidly, um, and I don't think that's just the case with Apple. Like across the board, this is kind of the smartphone space. Um, like all the flagship Android devices right now feature Snapdragon 845 processors, which arguably is a little bit bit overkill in terms of power for what you need with a smartphone on a day-to-day basis, unless you're playing some really high-end games or something like that. Um, so in general, I think like if you're buying a smartphone in 2017 or 2018, it's, it's going to be fine. So looking at the, the new Google Pixel phones, uh, I, I believe they're coming out in November in Canada. Uh, who, who would these be for? Uh, I mean, I, I, it's interesting. To me, I think for the average consumer, when they think of an Android device, like Samsung smartphones are Android. That is all Android is to them. They don't know that LG exists. They don't know that other manufacturers are making Android devices. It's just Samsung. Um, so in a sense, I would say that the Pixel uh, is kind of targeting the hardcore 
Android fan that that really wants this device that offers a pure uh, a pure Google powered experience. Um, but then, in another sense, Google really wants this phone to be mainstream, and I think they've taken tremendous uh, tremendous stride since the release of the first Pixel to kind of hit that mark. I'm not sure they're quite there yet with the Pixel 3 and the Pixel 3 XL, um, but they're, they're definitely taking steps in the right direction towards making the phone much more popular than previous entries in, this, in, in the Pixel series. We're talking with Patrick O'Rourke from Mobile Syrup, uh, mobilesyrup.com, fantastic uh, website to find out all about the latest uh, smartphones, smart home, uh, and apps uh, that are out there. Thanks for joining us, Patrick. No problem. Thanks for having me. I want to make a, an introduction. We've got a new member on our team. She's in studio with me right now. Her name is Kelly Reedwin. Thanks uh, for coming in. Thanks for having me. This is my first time on the show. Yes, uh, Callie is new to the Get Connected team. She is our new editor-in-chief. Uh, you may or may not know, but we do a lot of Get Connected stuff. The radio show here we've been doing for many years. Love doing it here on CKNW and the Chorus Radio Network. But we also have our TV show, the Get Connected uh, TV program. Uh, airs on a number of different stations uh, locally here on Check TV, Channel 6 in BC. We're also... Uh, on uh, the Business News Network and uh, City TV out in Saskatchewan. And, of course, you can check us out online on our uh, getconnectedmedia.com uh, webpage where we have all kinds of great TV show segments. Uh, and uh, plus you'll also see us on Global News uh, doing our regular morning and noon hour news tech stuff. Uh, again, thanks for joining the team. I wanted to bring you in, though, uh, to talk specifically about Google. This uh, show is talking a lot about Google today. We just uh, heard about the new uh, Google hardware announcements with the new Pixel phones and the Home Hub, but uh, a bit of bad news for Google uh, this week as well. Uh, a lot of people uh, heard that uh, Google had a breach with their Google Plus platform. They did. All 12 users of Google Plus are outraged <laughs> and taking to Twitter and Reddit and Facebook, all the other places that still exist as a social media network. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. So Google Plus, um, I don't even know, came out in 2011, did it? I'm not, I'm not quite sure, honestly. Somewhere, somewhere yeah. back then. Uh, big data breach, apparently, uh, between 2015 and as of recently as of March here that uh, could have affected as much as uh, half a million of their users. They're not quite sure how many, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, uh, developers could get access to um, people's friends' emails and, and gender and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from what I read, there the type of information that was compromised were things like people's names, titles, and email addresses, but no personal conversations or anything really that concerning. I think this was just Google's way of saying, okay, this, this is about time. We'll let Google Plus die a graceful death. Yeah, and so... As ex- graceful as that can be. So explain to our listeners out there uh, who might not even know what Google Plus is? Because I'm, I'm sure there's probably a lot. Right. So um, to give you some context uh, about my opinion here, I did digital marketing strategy and consulting for the last 10 years. And among the digital media professionals, Google Plus has always been the laughing stock of digital media because mainly that it doesn't appear to ever have been actually made for being a social network. Though it was like a, a Facebook or yeah, an Instagram. Right, yeah, right, where, where um, the, the interface was just sloppy. And even as a diehard Google fan, I use Google um, Suite for all my business needs. And I love Google products um, and, and their ecosystem. But Google Plus was just never good 
at all, in my opinion. Okay. And so uh, if, if you take to Twitter and you look up Google Plus News, you'll find just hours of memes and, and people making fun of Google Plus finally dying. So um, what I do understand, though, from the people that I, I happen to have one friend who explained to me why they used it was it was, it was a more uh, quiet environment to share ideas and a more secure environment for some where they didn't have to use their real name, where they can just talk about the topics they found interesting without all of the security um, uh, privacy rather issues that other social networks might have. So they are very disappointed in not having that sort of closed environment to work with. But personally, I found the the user interface just really difficult to work I with. I never understood it. I, I joined up because that's I'm a tech guy. I have to mm-hmm. try these things yep. out. And I got to be honest, I don't even remember the last time I used it. I used it for a little while or I tried to, but it was yeah. just... Every time I wanted to use it, it was painful, and I just didn't understand like all these circles, all these circles everywhere, mm-hmm. circle of friends and interests, and and it, yeah, yeah, I and tr- that's why no one's using it. <laughs> exactly, I tried it too, and and I tried to like it in the same way that I don't, I've tried to like everything that's coming out, at least to understand it, and I I used to have to be able to understand it for my clients who would want to use it. And did any, any of your clients want to use Google? Oh, they, they did. Google um, Plus, sorry. And, and it was valuable for the search engine optimization aspect because Google, you know, if you use their, their systems, then they will smile favorably upon you for SEO. But, um, but really was sort of a waste of time in my opinion. And uh, I'm happy that it's gone. <laughs> I don't have to explain it anymore. So they haven't given too many details, but um, it sounds like they're winding it down as of 2019. Do you get that impression? Yeah, I think that it's they're giving users a little bit of time to figure out what network they want to use in place of this for the for the people who do use it. Um, you need that long? Yeah, yeah. I, I suspect it'll probably be Tumblr or Reddit or something like that where people will um, be more topic-specific groups. Yeah, that's more likely in my opinion. The end of an era, Google Plus uh, seemingly uh, fading into uh, into distant memory coming up uh, in uh, the next year. I mean, uh, what will take its place? Reddit? Reddit is a kind of more of a community discussion based yeah. network. Yeah, and I and I say Reddit too because of the demographics in in both Google Plus and Reddit are are more of an overlap. So it tends to be, you know, um, as, as my memory serves me, so I could could prove me wrong here, but um, redditors and Google Plusers are generally male, generally you know late twenties to um, to late thirties, and generally sort of tech minded and very much you're likely to find people who work in IT and and tech in those places um, more so than other social platforms. So I would expect maybe that's where they would go if they're not there already. Um, and maybe there, this is an opportunity for other social networks to pay attention and to offer a more enclosed, quieter ad-free space for people. We will find out. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Kelly. Thank you. Well, it seems like everyone and their dog is getting into the smart speaker game. We, of course, uh, know about Amazon with their uh, Echo speakers, Google Home, uh, Apple has uh, their Siri and their HomePod. Facebook just announced the new Portal uh, video screens. Well, it seems that uh, BlackBerry might be getting into the game as well. On the line, we've got our friend Brian Jackson from IT World Canada. Thanks for joining us again, Brian. Thanks for having me, Mike. 
BlackBerry, they're, they're going to make a smart speaker now? Is that the, the rumor? That's what they told me at the BlackBerry Security Summit in New York City last week. Um, I mean, it's surprising, right? I, first, John Chen uh, told the audience in his keynote that BlackBerry and Amazon were working together, collaborating, and he didn't really uh, have a lot of details in that presentation, but... When we were interviewing the chief technology officer of BlackBerry afterwards, uh, Charles Egan, he confirmed it's a, it's a device that they're working on, a BlackBerry Alexa device for the enterprise. So this would bring uh, the Alexa voice assistant that we're used to in our homes to the office and allow us to complete our jobs with it. And, and uh, you know, what we could expect to see there is BlackBerry's history of being able to securely manufacture devices and offer enterprise-level management of them in the office as well. Kind of an interesting move. You know, I think about it uh, now, a lot of people are getting these digital assistants or, you know, smart speakers in their home, uh, but you don't really see them that much in, in workplaces. So do you think this is the first uh, shot into, uh, into offices? Yeah, they're n- really not in workplaces yet, although I, as I say that, I have one at my desk right now, and uh, it, it's but, going nuts as I'm talking about it. But um, I think what may be holding enterprises back is the fact that there's a lot of perceived privacy and security issues around these connected devices. And if you can't integrate those devices into your mobile device manager system, then that's not so great for the IT department. But as soon as you have a company like BlackBerry coming along and saying that it's uh, secured the device right at the operating system layer and uh, will give you a way to lock down any um, uses of it, then you know you could start having that conversation about actually being productive with your voice in an enterprise. Now, you can imagine that these things would be useful in a few scenarios at work, right? Like imagine in your conference room, if... Instead of fiddling with the AV equipment, you just ask Alexa to connect you to the next meeting on your calendar, and magically you're, you're having the meeting that you want to have with the right video on the screen and the right phone line open. That sort of automation is, is definitely possible. And we're seeing more companies like Salesforce and um, IBM uh, design their applications to be compatible with, with voice-first applications. So soon enterprises will be able to tap into the customer management systems and, um, you know, they could have uh, even a, a receptionist that's <laughs> replace the receptionist with Alexa. Just have a smart speaker greet you when you come in and you tell Alexa who you're there to, to visit and that person would be uh, notified by an email to come out and greet their guest, for example. Hopefully that all works. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, it, that that's the thing about uh, Alexa and Google Home. These smart speaker technologies have, have worked pretty well. I mean, I've been using mine in my home for more than a year now, and uh, I'm very happy with it. I still use it every day. It's reliable enough that uh, I, st- I keep going back to it. So I think the convenience is there. Uh, that's been proven in the consumer arena. So now we'll see if it makes that migration to uh, the office. And but, but these things always start with the consumers and then make their way into the enterprise. I mean, it wasn't um, the iPhone wasn't 
in people's uh, business um, for many years. For for the yeah, I, I mean, it took a while, right? It took executives saying, "I want to use this device, figure out how to support it," and then um, they, you know, now a lot of companies are issuing them as uh, enterprise-wide devices. Is it telling that uh, they're going with Amazon and uh, their voice assistant over Google? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to make of that. I didn't ask BlackBerry if it had considered working with Google. So um, I know that Amazon, of course, has its uh, Alexa voice service um, available. So any manufacturer that wants to create a device using Alexa is able to, but um, that's the same with Google Assistant. If you're a manufacturer that wants to integrate with Google Assistant, you can. So um, the, the reason that BlackBerry may be drawn to working with Alexa is that Alexa announced uh, last year uh, at its reInvent conference the Alexa at Work program. So it has partnerships with uh, applications that businesses use, and it's trying to make this, or, this organized effort to get its devices into offices. John Chen, uh, the CEO of uh, BlackBerry, really has uh, turned that company uh, around. Uh, you know, once the darling of the uh, the mobile world, uh, they basically lost out to Google uh, and uh, Apple with the iPhone, but uh, they're on a bit of a roll now, aren't they? That's right. I think it would have been uh, tough to say that BlackBerry could be in the position they are, say, a year ago or two years ago. But John Chen, you have to credit him. He took a company that was really uh, crashing and burning and <laughs> just on the downward decline. And I don't think anybody would have been surprised if it ended up going out of business. But uh, he's pivoted and now they're totally into the security services business. They're into the automotive sector with a compelling management platform. They're uh, helping other hardware manufacturers secure their devices and uh, their services revenue is on the on, on the rise. So now that BlackBerry stock, I nowhere near where it used to be back when it was, uh, you know, up near sixty dollars or or even higher than that. Uh, but it's it stopped its slide, and uh, I think everybody is feeling pretty positive about BlackBerry's future now, which is great. I think so too. We've been talking with Brian Jackson from IT World Canada about uh, BlackBerry getting into the. Uh the smart speaker category with uh, Amazon. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's that time. Uh, we have been doing apps of the week, but we're uh, we're trying skills of the week. A lot of people are getting the voice assistants now. Uh, a lot of people have the Amazon Echo speakers. Uh, and you've got some skills for us, Graham. What do we got? I do. I've got two from uh, the Amazon Alexa system today. So uh, the first one is StoryFlow. Story flow. Story flow. So this is actually an interactive storytelling piece of software, which when you open it, uh, it essentially starts telling you a story and you can decide where the story goes. So you can make choices and it continues telling the story. All via voice. All via voice, yeah. So if you remember like the old text adventures, like like Zork back on the computer. I love it. It's a little bit like that. Or like a choose your own adventure, um, the the old flip books that we used to have. How many different stories are there? Uh, It doesn't say here. Well, Um, I I guess infinite. Yes. Right? As as, as many (laughs) as you can. So apparently quite a few. And there's a lot of fun uh, that you can have with Storyflow. 
story flow. Uh, you've got one more for us too. I do, and this one is called Instant Mixologist, and this would probably Instant go, Mixologist would probably go fairly well with story flow. Uh, this is obviously intended for people aged twenty one and over, or I guess nineteen and over here in Canada. Um, and what it does is it teaches you how to make drinks. So essentially, you can say, uh, you know, once we've got Instant Mixologist open, you can ask, how do I make a martini? And it will tell you how to go through the steps, basically the the alcohol and other substances that are involved in making it, how to make it, and what type of glass to pour it into. So that is Instant Mixologist, which would be great to have a cocktail with your story flow story. That's so cool. And again, uh, for the listeners out there, not everyone has one of these smart speakers yet, uh, but there's some pretty cool things you can do with them. And uh, when we say skills, that's what uh, Amazon calls these voice commands uh, that you can basically give your Amazon Echo speaker and have it do fantastical things. Yeah. So basically just go into your Alexa app, uh, go to the skills section, uh, search for it. And when you search for the individual name, so in this case, you'd search for Storyflow or Instant Mixologist, uh, it'll bring that up, click on it and then click enable it will install that skill onto your device and then you can go ahead and use it pretty simple to do it's magical it's magical uh it's gonna be a big uh, christmas gift item this year i think i think so yeah i mean they did really well last year uh yeah. the 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 market saturation for these smart speakers is nowhere near where it can be um you know we've seen some very interesting things apple has obviously really doubled down on audio quality with the home pod and siri with ios 12 is quite a bit uh, more refined um Amazon Echo is doing quite well, and then we've also seen an update to Google Home. So everybody's doing more stuff in this space, and I think that's great. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.